Rotobonders, how's it going out there? Pete Davidson here with a fresh edition of the Rotobon podcast. It's Sunday morning, so we're talking DFS, week 15. Put a little Marvin Gaye on to start the show. Wanted to calm down all you stressed out people. I know it's a big day whether you're playing DFS or not, and this is going to be, you know, <laughs> not the most in depth. DFS podcast we've done. I have sold out this week to try to get the rankings uh, and all that stuff done for the seasonal people because I know it's a high stress week, big stakes, hard decisions. We've had a lot of awful crap come down this week, like Michael Thomas, which is just pissing all over my good time. Um, but I have taken you know a look at this slate. I've, I've taken a couple hours. Uh, yesterday was tough. I got the rankings done early, had to get it done before the games, and then I watched the games. Wasn't really as focused um, on the Sunday slate as I normally am. Um, but I'm looking at it now, and over the next 20 minutes or so, we're just going to go through uh, these games and then some of the plays. Just you know, I've, I mean, I've gone through this, and I think I know where a lot of the the hidden plays are. So if you're not, you know, uber informed, hopefully I've got, I've got some stuff here that can help you think and feel like you're prepared. Um, first, let's just sort of buzz through these games. We've got, um, at the top of the 1 o'clock, we've got Tampa Bay at Atlanta. And, you know, the two big things in this game, Julio Jones not going to play for the Falcons, and Thomas Jones not going to play for Tampa. So, that obviously changes this game quite a bit. I think it makes Brady a little more valuable because he can tack on some value on throws to Fournette. And I think it's more likely that they'll be pass heavy in you know even footing situations. Uh, and I think it makes it harder for them to just go to the run because I don't think Fournette is the kind of hard-working grinder uh, that Thomas Jones is right now. So I think it sets up better if you're playing Brady with Thomas Jones out. Now, I mean, you know, some assumptions there. I mean, Jones has been helping them sort of set the stage on some level. If Fournette lays an absolute dud and Atlanta's getting to the quarterback, there could be problems. I mean, there's a lot of ways Brady can fail at this stage. We've seen that. But overall, I like Brady more with Fournette in the backfield just from a GPP kind of point of view. On the Atlanta side, you know, I think Gage is a play at 4,700. Uh, I'm a little bit worried uh, about Ridley, I think he's going to be popular, and I think there are some easy paths to him, not like putting out a dud, but just not paying off at the number. So I'm not terribly into this game. I mean, I think there's ways you can stack Brady, but there's so many ways that Brady can win that stacking him is sort of hard. I don't think he's a good enough play to play him naked. So I'm not really on Brady. I mean, I think he's going to do well, but not really the way I'm going about building my DFS lineups this week. I may have a team or two, uh, and I'm not playing Matt Ryan as always. <laughs> even when I, even when Ryan's a good play, if I play him, I screw it up. So I'm off of Ryan. Uh, on the Atlanta side, Gage is the play that I'm sort of interested in. Not sure how much exposure I'll have to him because really I don't know if I'm going to do enough lineups where Gage is going to get into too many of them. Moving down to uh, the 49ers and the Cowboys. On the Cowboys side... 
I, I don't have a feel for this backfield. If Pollard were going solo, I think he'd be fun. But in a mix, some Zeke and some Pollard, I don't really want anything to do with it. Um, I do think that the San Francisco 49ers are going to win this game cleanly. The only way that doesn't happen is if Mullins just totally spits the bit. Even in that case, they'll go to quarterback B and they'll probably win it that way. Um, you know, basically, look, 49ers are going to be able to run the ball almost at will. And they should be able to use Brandon Ayuk and Jordan Reed and Kendrick Bourne to make plays through the air. The Cowboys are just not very good on defense. They don't play smart. Ayuk really has a great chance to light them up here at a relatively low number. I mean, if you look at his target loads and success rates in the games that he's played, it's pretty tough to imagine Ayuk failing here. His price is low enough where a good game will get you by. And I think he does, you know, the Sage is sort of set here. You know, he's had yardage games, he's had touchdown games. He hasn't really put it all together. This could be the week where he drops multiple touchdowns and goes over 100 yards and really pays off. So I definitely think Ayuk is viable in cash and in GPPs. Now, enough people seem to be on him that, you know, you're not going to, like, have some low-owned great play. But he's one of the better value plays on the slate to me, where you get that floor, you get that ceiling, and you're not paying through the nose for it. The thing I like about Ayuk is the thing that could help us here is people who are paying up at running back for Henry or people are paying up twice at running back, it's pretty tough to get to the Ayuk play. So if, you know, if you do what I'm doing this week, which is, I mean, I'm going to have some Derrick Henry just in case, but for the most part, you know, while I was on him last week, the number has now gotten so high that you're going to be talking about a guy who needs to hit 30 or you're almost losing. Like, he needs to hit anything under 25, you're getting hurt, and he's high-owned. So, you know, I think just from a game theory standpoint, don't get me wrong, I think Derrick Henry is likely to smash here. But for him, I think I think it was JM to win. I was listening to his podcast. And, you know, he basically said that t- to hurt you, and I thought this was a good way for him to put it, you know, there's a difference between him, you know, you know, he doesn't have to fail for the people who own him for him to be a good guy to pivot away from for him to actually hurt you on a fade he probably needs to get to like 40 points if he comes in at 30 and you didn't start him you're still okay as long as you're doing well with the salary you're using and i think that's sort of the point here is that i think so many people are now caught up into this hey let's pay up maybe i'll pivot off henry and go to cook who's 9k um to me, if you know, there's there are ways to put really good players in all your spots this week and to create a lineup that's not really like anybody else's in a large field if you just pay down a little bit at running back. You know, I mean, if you go to guys like Akers um, and guys like Fournette, who will be highly owned but create salary relief, um, and then you know, your third running back could be a Kenyon Drake or a Miles Sanders. Um, we're just scratching the surface. There's a whole bunch of people. Uh, I'm very interested in um, Salvin Ahmed at 4,700 if we find out that he's going to be the starter. Um, so there's a lot of good running back plays out there. You don't have to go to Derrick Henry um, to feel like you're okay. Um, you know, so for what it's worth, um, 
Now back to the San Francisco-Dallas game. On the Dallas side, in that I think they're going to be chasing, and in that Michael Gallup, although you know he hasn't been doing a lot, he hasn't exactly been doing nothing. Um, and I'm just going to sort of pull up his numbers here, just so we can, you know, be a little bit in the know. But I mean, we we know that Gallup basically plays more than any of the other receivers. He's at 829 snaps. Cooper's at 767, and Lamb's at 600. I mean, Michael Gallup is like always on the field. And while he hasn't been putting smash plays together, he's got two touchdowns on the year. One of them was in week 13. His targets over the last, let's just say over the last six weeks, they look like this. 12, 7, 5, 8, 11, and 6. Worst case scenario is five targets. And this is a game where we're almost positive they're going to be, well, not I'm pretty sure they're going to be chasing. I, you know, I think Gallup's got a target floor of about 7 or 8. And I think if we're lucky, he goes up to 11 or 12. Now, granted, he can go 12 targets in, 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 in you know, week 8. It was only worth 60 yards. But 7 catches for 60 yards, if that's what he does today at 3,500, that's not hurting you. And if you happen to get lucky and he sneaks his ass into the end zone at 761 or at 786, like he did against Baltimore, a tough matchup. Hey, so I don't know how many people are going to be on Gallup. I've heard a couple smart people mention his name. Um, but I think here's the one interesting thing. I think most people will be going to Gallup to get Henry into their lineup or to get some other really expensive player into their lineup. I think you can create some very interesting lineups if you start with, say, Jalen Hurts and Gallup and then sort of build from there. You can be really strong at the other positions. And it's not like there's not a decent chance that Hurts and Gallup hit. So the, the, I just the reason I'm sort of going into this is I think there's a lot of ways to build this week on sort of an ugly week that aren't going to be the thick, chalky plays. And even if you go into these thick, chalky plays like Derrick Henry, which I, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with playing Derrick Henry. But, you know, you play Derrick Henry and he hits and then you realize that, hey, 30, 40% of this thing, of this this tournament that I'm in, they all played Henry too. You still need to kill off half of those Henry owners. You need to be better than them. Not to mention, and again, I think Henry's going to hit. You all know why. I've talked about the specifics. This is a game where the Titans are going to win. There has not been a game in the second half of the season where the Titans have won and Henry didn't smash. That game hasn't happened in the last two years. If it happens, this will be the first one. So I understand why people want to play Derrick Henry. It's not a matter of him not being good. It's not a matter of him not being a high-probability smash. I think he is. But, again, at 9,500, he really has to crush for it to pay off for you. And even if he does crush and pay off at that level, you still, at that point, even at that point, you know, Derrick Henry puts up 50, okay, it's not like it's out of his range of outcomes. He could do it. He puts up 50, and you're in a GPP. Well, guess what? You're nowhere. I mean, you're better off having him than not having him at that point. Sure, absolutely. But you're still going to have to be better than a good portion of those Henry teams to finish in the money in a GPP. So that's the dynamic when we've got a guy ranked this high. And then the one other thing is this guy doesn't catch passes. If for some reason, just random luck... Corey Davis catches a touchdown. 
Janu Smith catches a touchdown. A.J. Brown catches a touchdown. You know, Derrick Henry could go 27 carries for 190 yards and doesn't get in the zone. Well, guess what? That's like, what, 25, 26 points or something like that? That's not really going to help you that much. So it's not so much that Henry's a bad play. It's that just from a game theory standpoint, there's a lot of good reasons to pivot just in a GPP. If you're trying to get up to the top, you're probably going to have an easier time getting there without Henry than with him. Um, I, you know, I plan on rolling with like, he's probably going to be on like one or one out of four of my teams, something like that. And again, absolutely think he's going to do well. It's just a matter of what does he have to do at that price to actually move you forward. And it's a lot. And even if he does it, you still have to differentiate. So understand that. Okay. In that same Tennessee game, I think Swift on the Detroit side, we don't know what the workload's going to be. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the whole 60 minutes. If you go overweight on Smith, you are taking a risk. But I do think some swift exposure in GPPs, I think you're going to have a low-owned player with a high ceiling. Risky, but low-owned with a high ceiling. Um, not really anybody else in the Lions. I mean, you know, Hawkinson's a decent play. But, you know, Jones, okay, not a bad play. But there's really nobody else that I really want to get involved in because of the quarterback situation. Um, and then on the Tennessee side... You know, Henry, I think, is a play. A.J. Brown, I think, is a wonderful leverage pivot off of Henry if you want to do that. Uh, you know, we can, you know, if you want to sort of go away from the big two to leverage them, you know, and do a Corey Davis, do a Janu Smith, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that in the GPP. Okay, moving down to Houston and Indianapolis. Um, you know, the game flow seems pretty easy to pick out here without you know, good, high-quality weapons. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for Deshaun to dominate in this game against a tough defense, but his talent tends to win out on some level. I don't think he's going to put up a dud. He's going to be thrown to these same guys. You know, it's going to be, you know, a slightly diminished Cooks, Kiki Kuti, and Hanson. I think any of those guys are reasonably good plays if you want to use a bring-back uh, against the Colts, David Johnson, who's going to be getting all the juice with both ProSice and Duke Johnson out. He could be a bring back to any of those guys if you want to stack this game. Can't say that I'm really going to. I can see why someone would want to, but I'm probably not going to. Just because I think Indianapolis gets ahead, they're going to want to just take all the air out of this if possible. As far as one-off plays in this game, I think Taylor at 72 is a good play in a GPP, although I'm I think now we're getting up to a place where you're paying an awful lot for a guy with a weak floor. I think Hilton is probably a better play at 5,500. He's underpriced. He should be 6,500. And, you know, if you want to get funky, you could mess around with a little Nine Hines. You could do that. And that's pretty much where I'm at with this game. Nobody else that really just jumps off the table. Uh, moving down to Patriots Miami, I you know, I just... You can make arguments for the Patriot receivers, probably Myers and Bird, if you wanted to. I can understand the arguments. Cam's been shaky enough where I'm not in love with it. But if I was gonna take a guy, I think I think it was Silva that pointed it out. I mean, like I think 
you know, Myers is the receiver on the Patriots. He's got the better interior matchup. Uh, the Dolphins' perimeter corners are strong. So, you know, if I were going to play a receiver from the Patriots, if I was going to do, say, a Dolphin, you know, if I was going to play, say, Ahmed, if he ends up starting, he's really the only Dolphin I'm all that interested in. If I, I build an Ahmed team, maybe grab a bring back, you know, do maybe an Ahmed, um, Jacoby kind of thing. Um, and, and that's pretty much where I'm at in this game. You know, Sony Michelle, if you want to get funky, you know, Burkhead's gone and Harris is ruled out and James White's banged up. You want to, you know, maybe play for the Patriots smash at Sony Michelle, 20 touches and a touchdown kind of thing. I could see that. It's a little thin for me, but I could see it. Um, you know, that, that's pretty much it, it for me in this game. I mean, if, if they start ruling out people for Miami, if the big three get ruled out, you know, we could entertain some Lynn Bowden, I suppose. That would be the one other thing. Um, Moving down to the Bears in Minnesota. Now, this is a game that has my attention. I think there are a lot of ways you could approach this game. You know, I think Cousins stacks with one of his receivers and the cheap tight end. With a bring back from the Bears, you could bring back... If you don't use um, Irv Smith, you can bring back Komet. If you do use Smith, then probably bring back A-Rob. You can do the Trubisky stack with A-Rob and Komet and bring back Irv or bring back Thielen or bring back Jefferson. These are all reasonably good ways to um, start your teams and you've got a low-cost quarterback. If the game goes ham, you're in good shape and you can play some of these high-percentage one-offs. You can get some of these good running backs into your rosters. So I think the, the, the Bears-Minnesota stack, all you really need to happen in that game is for the Bears to do well. I think if the Bears do well, you're in good shape. You know, unless you're going with the outside Minnesota weapons, I think, you know, uh, you if you're doing a Bears with Jefferson or Thielen, there's some risk, because I do think the softness with the Bears is in the middle on the back end. So I do sort of like the, the cheap Irv Smith more than paying up to the outside weapons. But, you know, that's probably going to be a fairly common theme. So you may get lower ownership on the outside Minnesota guys than normal because of Irv Smith. So there's a lot of ways to sort of go at this depending which game theory angle you sort of want to go with. But I really do think there's some there's some soft ground here in this uh, Chicago-Minnesota game, particularly if you think the Bears are going to perform. Um, moving down to Seattle and Washington. Uh, both defenses are in play here. And by the way, I like the Bucks defense, if I didn't mention that earlier, against the Falcons. Uh, at 3K, I think they're one of the, not really a pay-up or a pay-down, sort of in that middle zone, and I like them. Same kind of thing with um, the Seahawks on the road. Haskins, they need their defense in this game because they're going up against a team with a defense. So uh, would not shock me to see Jamal Adams popping Haskins, knocking the ball loose, and like the you know Seahawks getting a defensive touchdown or something. By the same token, the best pay-down defense out there is probably on the other side of this with uh, with the football team. Uh, 2,600, you save 500 off of the Seahawks, and, uh, you know, they'll get some sacks in this game. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, this is a tough matchup for, for Lockett structurally. So if, if this game becomes a game where Seattle needs to throw at some point to win the game, I think Metcalf is a very interesting play in tournaments. Uh, I wouldn't use him in cash. Um... And that's pretty much where I'm at with the Seahawks. You know, I, I sort of like Metcalf, maybe a Wilson-Metcalf stack. 
Uh, and then on the Washington side, I think if you have the guts, um, the switch to Haskins makes me like McKissick a little less. It makes me like Logan Thomas a little less. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, I think the median score on McLaurin may not change a whole lot, but the nature of McLaurin changes. He's less likely to grind a game out here. He becomes a little bit more big play dependent. Um, this is a defense because I don't think they're going to be, you know, putting an extra dynamic player on McLaurin. I think he's going to have a chance to get free downfield here. Uh, and he's got his college quarterback. Haskins is, you know, so far not, he's not been anything great as a pro, but he does have the ability to get the ball downfield if you can keep him clean long enough. So McLaurin becomes, to me, an interesting tournament play here as long as you can stomach the risk. Because there is risk, let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, you know, the other, the other cheap guy you might look at in this game would be, um, what, Cam Sims, who's really cheap. And I think it's possible we're looking at the football team in chase mode. And then if they do double McLaurin, you could just, just by virtue of ball flow, you could see Cam Sims getting like five or six targets. Uh, if he makes a big play, he could, you know, get in the 15 to 20 area. Not bad for a floor player. Uh, again, risky because he could do nothing, uh, you know, but, you know, depending on what kind of plays you're looking to make here, a lot of people, if you go with some of these high-cost studs, you're going to have no choice but to play some of these pay-down options. Uh, he would be one. Um, moving down to Baltimore and Jacksonville, uh, you know, Minshew's in there for Jacksonville. Jimmy Smith is out for Baltimore. So you could mess around, you know, with some shark bringbacks on your Lamar stacks. Um, I think it's, you know, for my money, it's either Shark or James Robinson. Robinson costs enough where I would probably mess around trying to get down to either Shark or maybe you could get fun funky with a LaVisca bringback. And I think the Baltimore defense at 3,800 is in play here. And I think Lamar stacks, you know, Lamar naked, Lamar with Andrews, I think are both in play. Um, and I, you know, I... I Almost will definitely have one Lamar Andrews team. Uh, nothing else. I, I, you know, nothing else we really need to get into there. Okay, so moving into these four o'clock games, I'm off the Jets. I don't think they are going to function against the Rams. I don't think any of the Jets receivers have a clear path to being the main guy. I think the fact that Crowder's banged up in the middle means that the middle targets could get divided up. We may see some Barrios in this game. So to me, the Jets are a little bit of a mess here. I don't think Darnold is going to be comfortable. I don't think they're going to protect him. I think Aaron Donald's a problem. You could bet on pure volume. But, you know, the way I see this game is that the Jets like to run just because they're stupid. The Rams like to run, and they're going to be in control of the game. So this game may be a lot shorter than some people think, just in terms of running clock with not much going on. The guy I love in this game, it's not going to surprise anybody, but Cam Akers, I mean, look, maybe they pivot on his usage, but if they don't, if he gets the usage against the Jets that he got against the Patriots, you know, he's going to have a good game. I mean, you know, unless a whole different group of Jets show up here, he's going to have a good game. So I really like Akers. And again, because so many people are trying to get to Henry, Akers' ownership may not be what some people think it is. Um, so he's definitely going to be on my list. Um, 
and you know nothing else too compelling on the Rams. I if you want to leverage the Acres play, you could do Goff stacks. I don't think I'm going to get into it. I think Goff is going to light the Jets up, but I don't think he's going to be that active. Uh, I think it's one of those 25 throw games for me. Okay. And by the way, if for some reason you've got a bunch of money hanging around at the end of your roster and you like your roster, uh, Rams are going to put up some points, but they cost 4500 4, which is an awful lot of money for a defense in DraftKings. Um, Philadelphia, Arizona. Here is the game that I, you know, for me, I think I'm most interested in stacking this game because there's so many ways you could go about this. If we assume that Arizona controls this game, and I don't know if we can assume it, but I think it's probable, then you could, well, you, you could really go either way. I think, you know, stacking Hurts with Miles Sanders is an interesting play. Um... And I think Hurts with Drake as a bringback, with Philly fighting from behind, running and throwing, doing a lot of RPO, you know, feverishly trying to get back into the game while Arizona is giving the ball to Drake a lot. You could also do, you know, Kyler and then, you know, bring back like a Goddard. You could do a Kyler stack with either one of his primaries and bring back. I, I would probably still bring back Goddard. Um, but there are a lot of other ways you could look at this game. I mean, you can do a Hertz-Rieger. Um, you can do a Hertz-Rieger-Sanders where you're playing on the Eagles getting up with some big plays and then, you know, grab a piece from Arizona on the bring back like Nuke because they don't really have anybody who can cover Nuke. And you would actually be able to afford Nuke with that lineup. And again, Nuke's going to be low-owned because so many people are going to pay up for running backs. Uh, there, there's so many different angles with this Eagle-Arizona game. And I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry that I haven't looked at them a ton. You know, I'm going to be spending the next two hours trying to look at different ways to play this game. Um, but to me, you know, I think Sanders is going to be low-owned. Um, and in this game, you know, the thing about Hurts is he opens up so much more for Sanders than... Wentz did because of the RPOs. So, you know, I think Hurts with Sanders, Sanders without Hurts, but I think also together um, these, this thing can work and you can mix in. You know, for me, it's like Rieger and Goddard. Uh, and then on the other side, Kyler is in play. Drake is in play. Nuke is in play. I think, um, you know, Christian Kirk is in play. Um this is the game to me that I think is going to be exciting and that has a chance to just sort of go off. So I want to be involved. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about Philly, Arizona, is that a lot of people are going to want to play KC New Orleans, which might help you with the ownership. Um, now, having said that, <laughs> I like KC New Orleans, especially the KC side. I like the KC defense at 3K. Um, you know, Tyreek, you know, sort of like Henry, where, yeah, I love the play, but, you know, him and Kelsey both, you're going to really be committing to a particular roster construction if you want to play either one of these guys. Um, so, you know, I think I will probably do a Mahomes Tyreek and a Mahomes Kelsey and just sort of see how it works. If I love what I come up with, I may stick with it. I may just decide to, you know, 
you know, fade the KC half of this game. On the other side, I'm worried about Manny Sanders is going to be heavy owned and he's got a tough outside matchup. I think I'd rather play Cook at 3,400 if I'm going to grab a piece off of New Orleans. And then I think Kamara um, is a really good play because I think KC's run defense maybe isn't quite as good um, as the statistics say it is. And then I think... you know, the Saints are good at finding those unique route combinations that work for them against a particular defense. And I think, you know, Kamara, gosh, unless this game gets so out of hand early that they, like, rest him or something, he seems like he's got a 20-touch floor to me in this game. And he is not dramatically priced up. I mean, Kamara looks looks pricey at 7400 until you realize you're saving, you know, 2.1K over Henry, and you get more of in a certain sense, you get more of a floor with Kamara because of the receptions. Okay. So that's a walk through the whole slate. Um, let's let's turn back around. More time than I thought we were going to spend. Let's turn back around here, and then we're just going to go through um, the plays I like at each position. Okay, so starting with the quarterbacks, um, like I said, I like Mahomes. Not sure if I'm going to be paying up to him or not. I mean, I could see, like, maybe putting him as my cash QB, playing him naked, that kind of thing. Um, definitely interested in Mahomes, but I think my most popular plays this week are going to be Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I like the price tags there. I'm able to pay down to running quarterbacks in matchups that I think they can excel in. Um, so Lamar, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts are probably going to be the bedrock of my day in DFS. And then, you know, I'm interested in some Mitchell Trubisky as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I mentioned some guys we could stack, um, you know, cousin stacks. There's plenty of guys you can go with stacks on. But those are going to be the three guys I play the most. In terms of the receivers that I'm trying to use, uh, I love Hill. Don't know how much of them I'm actually going to have. I'm interested in going after some DeAndre. I saved some money and I like the matchup. That's New Hopkins. Um, DK Metcalf crazy salary, but I can see some GPP exposure. A.J. Brown and Robinson are probably going to be the most owned guys um, that cost, you know, say more than 7K. I like those guys a lot. I think my most popular wide receiver this week is going to be Brandon Ayuk at 6,300 against Dallas. I think T.Y. Hilton is underpriced to 5,500. Terry McLaurin is an interesting mid-six price tag with some ceiling. I think that's particularly useful if you're going to stack Russell Wilson um, as a bringback. Russell Gage is a nice money saver at 4,700. Lynn Bowden Useful at 3,600 if they rule a lot of people out. Um, Chad Hansen, not a terrible play. Rieger, if I'm stacking his quarterback and I'm trying to get unusual. Christian Kirk, same kind of thing on the flip side with Kyler. And then again, my really the pay down that I like this week is Michael Gallup uh, at receiver. That's pretty much where I'm at with receiver. Moving over to running back. As I said, I love Henry this week. I think he's going to have an excellent game. Will he get into that rarefied place where he's paying off at 9500 I think that's like a 50-50 call. So, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is, well, do what you want to do. I'm probably going to draw a hard line at 50% Henry exposure, and I think I'm probably going to come in well under that line. It has nothing to do with thinking Henry's a bad play. I think he is going to do very well today. The question is, like we I went on ad nauseum earlier. We don't have to do this again. But will he pay off at 9500 You need to get into the 30s for that. And really what you want is probably for him to get to that 40 number and break it. Um, Dalvin Cook, 
$500 difference, the advantage with Cook over Henry. You have the same basic problems with your lineup, but you will catch Cook at low ownership. So if Cook goes off at 9K, it's going to help you more than Henry going off at 9K. Uh, 9.5, actually. Um, Alvin Kamara, I think if you're paying up, just go to 7,400 and stop at Kamara. I think that's a good move. A lot of people will be doing that, though. So that's worth noting. I like Miles Sanders a lot at 6,900. I, I think he's going to be a guy where the ownership is down. Now, some people will be going recency bias and playing him off of last week, but I think a lot of people trying to get to those higher price running backs won't have enough to do Sanders. Cam Akers at 6,600 is probably my favorite running back just from a cost considered standpoint ownership could be an issue there you go two hundred dollars down to deandre swift i think you have the same ceiling but a much shakier floor for a couple of reasons matchup the fact that he's coming off a somewhat recent injury um I, jk dobbins is an interesting player you can use him as leverage off of lamar jackson or you could pair him with Lamar Jackson. I think either one of those things is viable. Kenyon Drake at 5,500 is a good play. If Edmonds is going to be lightly used or out of the game or on an emergency basis active, then Drake becomes a really good play. Um, again, if Drake was priced up at 7K, not as interested. At 5,500, he's a guy who's got a floor and a ceiling, and he allows us to get some other guys in our lineup. Same thing with Leonard Fournette, but even more so because we save an extra K. Now, Fournette's going to command a lot of ownership, so that's worth thinking about. But he, you know, I can see a lot of good reasons to play Leonard Fournette this week. Granted, it's Fournette. You never know what Lenny's going to do. But, you know, to me, 30 40% Leonard Fournette exposure makes plenty of sense. Uh, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, both in play. Wilson at 51, probably more so because you save more money. Um... You know, I wouldn't go heavy on either one of them, but I, I, you know, certainly I think in GPPs they have their time and place. Same thing with David Johnson at 51. Um, Sony Michelle talked about him. Uh, a little bit of Sony Michelle exposure, maybe uh, a Sony Cam stack um, with the Patriot defense just going for the smash. I could see that working. Um, and then keep your eye on Salvin Ahmed at 4,700. If he's named the starter, I like him quite a bit at 4,700. Okay, a couple tight ends here, and we'll get you guys out the door. Uh, we'll get this under 40, not too bad. Um, look, Kelsey's a great play, but you do box yourself in at 8K. Um, Mark Andrews, I think I like better at 55. I think the ownership will be lower, and he allows you to do a lot more with your overall roster. Hawkinson's in play at 5,200. Certainly, Dallas Goddard at 3,900's in play. Certainly, Irv Smith at 3,600. He's trendy in terms of the name, so there'll be some ownership there. Uh, Jared Cook also now trendy, but I like him at 34. Jordan Reed at 3,200. Uh, not a you know you could leverage Ayuk. You could play him with Ayuk in a block. Um, you could play with, well, you could do a lot of different things there. Uh, but I think Reed is certainly in play at 3,200. Cole Komet at 3K flat is in play. And then the last tight end I would mention, if for some reason the Colts rule out Trey Burton, I think Jack Doyle, with, with if, if Burton and Moali Cox are both out, I think Jack Doyle at 28 would be a reasonably good pay down. Uh, but that's about it. Um, so that's going to do it for this week. As always, don't get caught up in trying to make just lineups that you like. Think about floor plus ceiling. 
If you're playing GPPs and you're not aiming for that 200 plus score, you're doing it wrong. And this is a week where you really want to keep that in your mind. Okay, so 36 plus minutes in, week 15. That's where we're at with the DFS. I will be coming back with full guns a-blazing next week on DFS because it's going to be a less stressful week. Uh, only two teams will be active in each of the seasonal leagues. More people will be focusing on DFS, and you can count on me doing the same. Um, thanks for everybody for being part of Rotobon this year. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for going on the website. Thanks for following me on Twitter. I appreciate all you folks. Uh, and for those of you who have not donated, we're getting close to the end, uh, and I want to be able to bring Rotobon back uh, next year. So please, for those of you who enjoy this, Keep it going by sending in a donation. Merry Christmas to all. For those who just finished Hanukkah, I hope it was good. And for anybody who celebrates anything else, hey, giddy up for you too. Let's, uh, let's win some tournaments today. Let's make some finals. Giddy up. <laughs>